the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's hard to believe that it's already time for back-to-school ads. Uh, seeing them once again has reminded me of one of my favorite all-time commercials. It's a 1996 uh, Staples back-to-school ad where two very sad-looking children are walking down the aisle of Staples following their very exuberant father who is, um, who is dancing and cheering and riding the cart through the aisles, uh, filling the cart with school supplies to the tune of Andy Williams, it's the most wonderful time of the year. These uh, few weeks, these weeks of the last, uh, last bit of the summer are, uh, are historically difficult uh, at the Gibbs house. Uh, we do best with structure and routine, and the structure and routine of the school year has completely worn off at this point. Camps are pretty much done. Uh, anxiety about the new school year is beginning to set in, and uh, it's just, you know, it's not always blissful uh, at our house, uh, and yet it is the knowledge of what's ahead, right? It's that blessed assurance of what's coming, that hope of uh, the structure and routine of the coming school year uh, that gets us through, right? Um, now, that's, that's sort of a trivial example, but the truth, uh, the, the principle is, is true, uh, in his well-known business book, Good to Great, uh, author Jim Collins tells the story of Admiral Jim Stockdale, who was the highest-ranking uh, U.S. military officer at the Hanoi Hilton, a prisoner of war camp in Vietnam. And uh, in eight years of imprisonment, Stockdale uh, endured torture over 20 times. And yet he took extraordinary leadership uh, measures, cleverly and bravely creating conditions that would increase the number of unbroken survivors. And after his release, Stockdale said that he had the courage to rationally confront the brutal facts about the desperate situation that he and his fellow prisoners were in, because he never lost faith in the end of the story. He said, I never doubted, not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life. So it was the hope of what was to come that got him through. Just this past week, to say nothing of persecution that Christians are facing around the world, we, just in this parish, have had some very hard, sad, difficult uh, pastoral situations, and those are those are just the ones we know about. We've had we've seen divorce and family turmoil, miscarriage, imminent death, and more. All things uh, potentially overwhelming. All things uh, potentially fostering hopelessness. And whatever you are going through, or whatever you will go through, no matter how big it is or how small, if ever there was a passage that speaks into our lives the cosmic and drenching hope of the gospel, if there was ever a passage that fertilized our faith in the end of the story, it's Romans chapter 8. And I hope that you will uh, go home and you will read through the text slowly, sort of marinate in the gospel hope that it provides. But just in the, in the few minutes 
uh, that I have left, I want to just very quickly draw your attention to three things uh, in the text. Number one, God's petition for us. Number two, God's protection of us. And number three, God's position to us. So first, God's petition for us. Many of us have memorized Romans 8.28, drawn on it many times for comfort. God works all things to the good of those who love Him. Now, the translation we have in our bulletin this morning actually, uh, I think, is a little weak. And it says, in everything God works for good with those who love Him. And that, that's watered down at best. Uh, every other translation understands what the, the, the original language was saying was that God does all the working of all things. He takes the good and the bad. He works them all to the good of those who love Him. I think, in my opinion, it's one of the most majestic things about the Christian life. The way that God can take something that is really bad and make it in our lives something that was really good. And it's not in the power of positive thinking. It's not in trying to find a silver lining. It is resurrection and redemption given freely in and through Jesus Christ. But do you know what makes Romans 8.28 possible? What makes it possible for God to work all things for our good? It's Romans 8.27. God works all things together for our good because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God the Spirit is whispering in the ear of God the Father, interceding for us according to the will of God. And you know what? He is not alone. Verse 34 tells us that Jesus also is interceding for us from the right hand of God the Father. So we have God the Son and God the Spirit petitioning God the Father on our behalf. He is the worthy judge. They are speaking to Him about our salvation, but also about the mundane details of our everyday lives. He's bringing before the throne of the One whose property is always to have mercy. All things work to the good of those who love God because Jesus and the Holy Spirit are petitioning God the Father for us. Well, second, we see God's protection of us. Paul says that those whom God predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. You know what I find remarkable about all that? Is that they are in the past tense, every one of them. I mean, we might expect that Paul would say that for those whom God justified at the cross, He will one day glorify in heaven. I mean, that promise would be great enough, but no, Paul says it is a done deal. It's done. If you are in Christ, then your place in heaven is inked by the blood of Jesus. And there is really, there's just nothing you can do about it. It's done. You have not fully attained it yet because you're broken. You live in a broken world. Christ has not come back yet, but it is done. If your faith is in Him, it is guaranteed. There is no circumstance, whether irritating or frustrating or devastating, 
from incessant whining to cancer. I mean, you name it. Nothing, nothing can change the fact that in Christ you are glorified as He is glorified. And it's not because you deserve it. In fact, quite the contrary. You are surrounded. You are locked in by the promise of glory. You are caged by His grace. You are protected from any possibility that you might fall from His hands or fall from His favor. One of the parables in the Gospel reading this morning says that angels will come and will separate the evil from the righteous. And that the evil will be cast into the furnace of fire. How can we be sure that we will be counted among the righteous? Let me ask you a question. You should answer it honestly. There in your seat. Do you trust that Jesus' death on the cross was the sufficient sacrifice to atone for your sins before God? If the answer to that question is yes then you can be sure that you are already in His merciful grasp, that you are protected by His grace, you are bound for glory. It's a done deal. So we see the petition of God for us and the protection of God of us. But both of these are actually possible. They're actually fruits of God's position to us. And this is perhaps, I think, the most amazing thing, this whole incredible passage. And at the same time, it is probably the easiest thing to forget when times get tough. And yet even our forgetting can't cancel this amazing truth. It's it's the thing that makes our whole life lived in Christ a thank you to God rather than a resume builder for Him. Paul asked rhetorically, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This isn't syrupy, saccharine sentiment. Because he then lists a a devastating litany of things that he himself has endured. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril. And though he has not yet faced the sword, certainly he had been threatened. And he was sure that at some time he would. And he did. And he, he quotes Psalm 44, 22 with Admiral Stockdale-like clarity. Certainly from the experience of his own life, probably in solidarity with Roman Christians who had also uh, endured similar trials. He says, for the sake of God, we are getting killed all day long, every day, for years. See, God has not been quick to alleviate the difficulty Paul's circumstance. Maybe you can relate. And we might understand if Paul says, you know what, I'm I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. It's too tough. In each of these awful trials, Paul has been met, ministered to, and loved, and sustained by Jesus because Jesus himself knew what it was to suffer and in fact had suffered on Paul's behalf. This is not what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's not what we're dealing with here. This is the testimony of one who has been loved through long seasons of hardship and difficulty and brokenness by the God who came to save him. 
Have you ever had one of those just awful seasons in your life that but you look back on it and, and you wouldn't wish it on anybody, but you wouldn't trade it for the world? I have. Or perhaps you're in that season now. And you need to hear again that God is with you. That He is not distant. That none of what is happening to you now will be wasted. Because of His position to you, which is that He loves you. And no matter what happens or no matter how you feel about it, nothing can separate you from His love. It's with a sort of faithful defiance that is fueled by His experience of the love of God in Christ through many difficult trials that Paul boldly proclaims. That in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Not just overcomers, but we are more than conquerors. But only through Him who loved us. And Paul's not necessarily saying that Jesus gave him the strength to overcome. What he's saying is that his faith is in the one who has already come and overcome. Jesus Christ, who is the full expression of of God's unending and unbreakable love to us. So friend, I don't know what your trial is. But I do know this. That because of God's petition for us, and His protection of us, and His position to us of love, that we never need lose faith in the end of the story. That hope of what's coming will get us through in their Because there will be one day when there's no more crying, there's no more sadness, there's no more sickness, but there is life everlasting in God, three in one. We are bound for glory. It's a done deal because nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, the love of God given to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.